For the Eurovision fans, she would be a legend thanks to her win in Jerusalem with Take Me to Your Heaven. But Charlotte Nilsson, now Pirelli, is so much more than a one-time winner. She had participated three more times in the Melodifestivalen and released several successful records. Starred in famous musicals, is constantly on the tour and has throughout the years been one of Sweden's most famous and talked about persons. And sadly, not always in a nice way. You are listening to Eurovision Legends. I am Emil Lövström, the bright and humble star of this show. But today, I know that I will be outshined by my guest. Cue the jingle. Legend, legendary Charlotte Perelli. Thank you. <laughs> How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Tell me, what was your relation with the Eurovision and Melody Festival and when you grew up? Oh, that was something really special. You know, that time, that was actually quite a long time ago. So that was the big happening every year. And uh, we were following it before the big competition in the newspaper. Uh, in Smålands Posten, where I live in <laughs> South Sweden on the countryside. Uh, we read about the artists. It was only 10 artists uh, competing. And uh, almost every year it was new artists uh, that I haven't heard about before. So it was very, very exciting. And, and uh, I loved the competition. And everyone did at that time. And of course, does uh, still does. But... But I remember it, it was something that even the, the adults really looked forward to and, you know, were planning to have something special. You know, we were eating something special. The neighbors maybe stopped by and we were watching it together. And it was something special and, and uh, it was a, a fantastic evening. And um, everyone were talking about who do you think will win? I remember especially... For example, when Panela was in the competition 85 and everyone said that, have you heard about this high note that she will take? Everyone talks about it. It was very, very fantastic. <laughs> Before Tusen and Nat, how many songs do you believe you have sung on that was meant for Melodifestivalen? I think I actually sang on one song uh, with Magnus Carlsson. But it was never meant to the competition. We did it just as a fun thing because we were both singing and dance uh, band. And just the composer to the song wanted us to do the song in the studio. I think it was called something like The Kommer Alltid Krypande. Something like that. <laughs> it was a really weird song and I don't remember it at all. But I have heard something about it that they actually send it to to the jury and but of course it never <laughs> it, ne- it it wasn't good enough but i think that's the only song actually before tusen och natt that i sang on we saw you behind björn hedström in 95 with the song du är drömmen jag dröm du är drömmen jag dröm den bild som jag haft i min fantasi och jag vill att drömmen Do you remember? 
remember if you knew there and then that this would be your stage one day? No, I, ne- I actually never thought about it uh, that way because at that time I was uh, I was singing in the band on the Sheng Bass and everything was so new for me. I was only 18, 19 years when I started. I was uh, feeling quite new in the business and I felt that I have a lot to learn. And when Björn got the chance to do this song, in the competition, I don't even think that it was um, that we were meant to be in the competition as a choir in the beginning. It was something that that they found out on the way that, okay, we might do it like this because because it's good for our band that we do it. Uh, But um, it always felt that like it was Björn's song by himself and uh, and we were just something you know at the side <laughs> we just <laughs> on it doesn't felt that that we were competing um, as Bjorn did but of course I felt that it was a nice competition to be in and I thought everything was um, uh, it was a good experience to do it at the side of it and don't be in the spot for the first time but uh, I don't even think that I were thinking that this might be something that I might do, even though I've been dreaming about it since I was a little child, of course. But, you know, when you come so close to it, when you're in the choir and you see everything that near, then it becomes a little bit scary also. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that I even imagine that this will be my stage one day. Tusen was composed by Lars Dille Didriksson and Jert Lengstrand. Did you know that they wrote two songs in this year that were sent to Melodifestivalen? Hmm, I have to think now. Maybe. Because I met Jert Lengstrand recently at a Melodifestivalen event and he told me that the other song was his favorite of those two. <laughs> no, I don't. Re- tell me, maybe I know if you tell me. <laughs> This was Till an Öde Ö with the Swedish band Arvingarna and I must say thank God that the selection panel chose to snow and nut instead. <laughs> No, so of course um, the song didn't manage to get through. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, no, I, I don't think I've ever heard it. Well, that was something new for me. <laughs> uh, what are your memories from the Swedish pre-selection in '99? Except that Drömhus was the front runner to win. Oh, I remember so many things. Uh, I mean, I liked the song uh, that Martin sang. Martin, do that sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was one of my favorite songs. Uh, maybe more, actually, than uh, Drömhus's song, even though I think that was a good one as well. I also remember there were one... Oh, I, uh, what, um, I was number one. Um, I started as number one. And as number ten, Cleo started uh, with a song I don't remember. But I remember that Thomas Gesson wrote the song. Am I yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the name was uh, Natten är min vän. Exactly. Hey, 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 hey. 
was a typical dance uh, music song, and she, I think they were a couple at this. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And she was so nervous. She was crying all the time, and she almost had a breakdown because she didn't think that it went that well. And um, that, that was quite hard to see, actually, because it, it was so tough to see an artist so vulnerable and so up and down, you know, uh, feeling confused and, and stressed. And uh, that was something new for me, because even though I was nervous, of course, everyone is nervous in this competition and in this situation, and especially if it's the first time. But I always felt quite comfortable in, in everything I do and feel that I can manage to handle my uh, nervousity in some sort of a way, I think. But that was quite scary to see that someone was so... Uh, it, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I, I remember it so well, and I don't ever think that it will uh, go away in my mind. I often have it, you know, on my eyes, you know, because yeah. it, something's, it was a little bit strange, I think. You won a landslide in Melody Festival. Swedish radio channel P3 refused to play the winning song. I think it's uh, quite sad to see that, I mean, we don't have so many radio channels in Sweden and we have a couple of big ones and it's quite boring and it's quite sad to see that someone just take a decision to not play a song that actually won the whole Eurovision that year and... uh, I, I don't actually understand why. I, of course, I understand that they didn't like the song. That was quite obvious. And they didn't thought that the song were, I mean, they want something else. They want something more popular. And they thought it sounded too much uh, 70, uh, like the old ABBA or something like that. But still, if Sweden has um, choose to send this song to the competition in, in uh, Israel and Europe actually choose the song, then I think it's quite weird that someone sit on their high horses and think that we take a decision that this is not good enough for Sweden. Yeah. I think that's quite weird. <laughs> yeah. Still very strange. This yeah. song was later translated to English, and I know many people were offered this job. The lyrics by Marcus Oberda was chosen. Were you involved in this decision? Yeah, really, really enjoyed because, um, uh, I mean, involved because... Um, when I went to the studio for doing the English version, I had so many different kind of lyrics from people that have tried to do the best lyrics. And we were choosing in the studio. I sang a lot of different lyrics and we were like, oh, which one sounds best? What should we use and what should we not use? I actually even think that uh, Marcus has done... Uh, maybe two or three versions of his own song. So we were like, you know, cutting one part of that and one part of that. And I was like, no, this doesn't feel um, totally correct. I think I might use this word instead. And I put in some of my own words 
and I was like rewritten some part of the songs. And today, if you do something like that, which you quite often do when you're in the studio, because you you always want to make it uh, like a little bit of your own, so it feels for real and that it feels comfortable for you to do it. Uh, then you always uh, have your own name on the lyrics as well, because you have uh, done a lot while you're working with the song. But then, you know, it was a long time ago and I was quite new in the business. So I was like, ah, who cares? It doesn't matter. I can just, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm doing a lot of work here, but I was just happy to do it, you know. uh, But today I would have been much harder. (laughs) (laughs) Eurovision in 99 was held in sunny Jerusalem. And one of the things the audience noticed in the performance was the fact that several of your backup singers looked like they had been sleeping in sunbeds for a week, (laughs) especially our beloved gospel king, Gabriel Fosch, that more looked like the crab Sebastian from Disney's (laughs) The Little Mermaid. That's correct. (laughs) You know... (laughs) An hour ago, maybe before the competition started, I, I were doing my makeup. Uh, Matthias Sofsing, who did my makeup, he was fixing me, and and uh, and someone I just heard, you know, someone were whispering about Gabriel. He's he doesn't feel well. He's he's hiding somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I was running because he's one of my closest friends, and I was like running uh, and looking for him, and I found him in a big hall totally by himself, sitting on the floor, you know, like in a corner, like a small child who has done something really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking terrible. And I was like, but it's okay. And he was so red. (laughs) (laughs) He was really, he really looked like a crab. You're so right. I, I was... I, I said that, but I, actually, I don't care about that. It's okay for me. I think we can fix it with some makeup, you know. It's it's okay. But he was so embarrassing because he was he was thinking that he has been stupid, of course, uh, lying in the sun too much and didn't think about the competition and performance, that it would look stupid if he were totally red and burned. <laughs> we laugh at it today, of course, and we're and that was the thing that we <laughs> will never forget. <laughs> Can we please talk about your memorable outfit, the spray-painted bodysuit? Yeah. Actually, that was uh, uh, an idea from my makeup artist, Matthias. He had a friend of him that was, I think she were a model or something in New York, and she was uh, certainly a designer as well. Today, she's very successful, but then she was just in the beginning of her career. And uh, Matthias said that, I think it's a good idea to have this spray painted uh, bodysuit something like that so that was totally his idea and but Carlson didn't like the idea at all he was the uh, <laughs> he wanted me to have something like a cute dress with flowers <laughs> and I was telling him so many times that I'm sorry I, I I do understand but you have to remember I'm 24 years I'm not 13 and I'm not 45 like you know an old lady wanted to look pretty i'm i'm a young uh, woman who wants to look uh, a little bit cooler and that was at least my ambition <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure i look that cool but uh, the ambition was to do something that people will uh, remember and something that i knew for sure that no one else will have on stage yeah and uh I think we managed to do something that were quite special 
the thing was also that during this time we were working very hard and I lose a couple of kilos during the competition. So it looks a little bit like a piano, you know, because it was a little bit too big and it was like on my stomach, it was like small, not fitted perfect. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the pants were also a little bit too big hanging on my hips there, you know, I, I don't know. Today we should, of course, have done it in another way. But still, I think it was something that people will remember. Yeah. You won Eurovision. How long did it take to realize what was about to happen? In the beginning, we didn't got that many points, actually. So we were like sitting there, me and Dilla Didikson, who wrote the, the music. And we were like, if there is some country where we actually should believe it's here. <laughs> <laughs> and we were cross our fingers and, and uh, just hope that it will, went well. But in the beginning, it was quite tough. But um, it ended up with uh, 12 points from a lot of countries. And um, uh, we realized uh, that maybe, maybe, maybe this, this might work. But it took a while during the competition. Yeah. The year after, in 2000, Stockholm was the host city and usually the winner from the year before nearly always performed their winning song or something in the opening or in the intermission or at least delivered a prize to the new winner. Yeah. But from what I remember, you were not on the stage at all. How no. come? We had um, a guy called Svante Stokselius. Yeah. I think maybe uh, a lot of people uh, remember him. He was in the top of EBU for a long time. He took the decision that he didn't want me to do anything at all because uh, he thought that uh, it was Sweden that has won the competition. It was absolutely not me and it, uh, it was not my time to shine. Uh, I had my, shine, uh, my shining time when I won. And uh, now it was Sweden's time to just do a big competition and to show the world how wonderful and how good they are. <laughs> <laughs> so they wanted to do a big dance number, something yeah. like that. And um, they didn't want me on stage. They wanted me to leave the flowers to the winning uh, artist. But I felt that, oh my Lord, you have to rehearsals for days and weeks And they wanted me to be there and just deliver a flower for two seconds in the picture in TV. I felt that it was embarrassing to to not do anything more, and uh, I was quite sad about it because it was it felt like they they didn't have any respect for me at all. And uh, I don't think you do like that to an artist who has. No. One. And uh, I actually didn't uh, ask for much. Uh, I didn't say that, oh, I want to do my new single. It's seven minutes long. It wasn't like that. I could have done almost anything that they have suggested. But I wanted to sing. Yeah. I am a singer. I wanted to do something that I could feel proud of, you know, not leaving flowers because that could someone else do. That was nothing special. Yeah, I totally agree. A very bad decision. Yeah. In 2002, Thomas Gerson sent a song to the Swedish pre-selection that was rejected and instead got through in Finland. And this song was Who Cares About a Broken Heart? Who cares about a broken
her to sing this song in the Swedish pre-selection? No, I don't think so, actually. I, I, I don't remember. I don't even remember if I did the song after it's been in the finished. Yes, yes. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask him because I was like, yeah, I did. Because I was pregnant when I, when I released the song, I think. 2004, 2005, something. 2003, I believe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. The, it was the first the time I was pregnant then. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think that I was uh, offered to sing it in Finland. It, not what I remember, at least. In 2008, nine years after your victory, you were back in the Swedish pre-selection. How many songs had you rejected up till then? Uh, I don't know how many, but of course, there's been a few. But I, I was also quite clear about that I did thought that I will go back to the competition. I, I thought that this was something I did once and I love the competition with my whole heart, you know, and I knew for sure hundred percent that I will never ever win again. Yeah. And I thought that it would, why should I destroy it? I had the Gloria, you know, that, and I, I just felt that it would be a wrong decision to go there again. I know, Charlotte, that it's a song called Ja är tillbaks that the composers sent me last year when I did a series about rejected songs. And the composer, Gustave Lund, more known in Sweden as Guragi, told us in this series that the version that later was released was the demo that he recorded. Yeah, I think that's correct, actually. And I think I just did the song like once in the studio and then... I, I remember we were talking on the phone and, and and we were like, do you think it's okay? Can we use the, the song? I just did it once. Is it okay? Yeah, maybe. It's, I think it's okay. I think we, we, we can use it. Because I was like, I don't know why I didn't want to go to the studio again if I didn't have time or whatever. But I know that we released the song Jag är tillbaka, like I'm back, just before I went to the competition 2008 with Hero. I think we released it in uh, November or something, 2007. And uh, that was really good because it was also fun to do something like uh, Jag är tillbaka uh, for the fans. Because then, then it was up-tempo, it was a good pop song. And people know a little bit what it was all about before I were coming back to the competition. When uh, Christy Bjorkman called me 2008 and wanted me to listen to a song that Fred Kjempe had written, I was totally in love with the song and I was, uh, I couldn't refuse to do it. I, I felt that this is my song this is so good i love it it's uh, it felt like it was meant to be and uh, i also understand that this song has a good chance to win in sweden and if i don't do it i might sit home in my sofa watch another one with <laughs> <this> song. <laughs> and i didn't want to take the, that decision so uh, i was pretty sure the first time i heard it that oh my god i have to do it i have to go back into this circus again, even though I'd never thought I should should have done it uh, before. But um, that was quite easy decision for me to take. The demo you heard then was sung by Agneta Körsvik, I believe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Melody Festival again. And Eurovision in 2008 was held in Belgrade. And I must say, I'm not usually one to brag that Sweden is going to win. But this year, I was convinced. And before we talk about the result, can you take us back to your week in Belgrade and your experience there? That was something very unusual because uh, it was so... I mean, my feelings from Eurovision from Jerusalem nine years earlier was something totally different. And maybe mostly because uh, now it was three uh, evenings that we were competing instead of one. Yeah. And the competition were had grown a lot since uh, I won. But still, it was a fantastic time to be there. It was uh, amazing to come back as a former winner. I also remember a lot of people actually believed in the song and believed in me. And that was, of course, very fun. I don't know if they believed in me or in the song, but BBC, for example, broadcasted a show before the big competition and and said that this year, for the first time, Eurovision will have an artist that is female that will win two times. So... Of course, I heard a lot about these stories everywhere, and I heard that people actually really believed in me. And But I also understand that the second competition on the Thursday evening, that it was very hard for us because we went through to the grand finale because of the jury and not because of what people think. So I understand quite early that this might be a tough uh, ride. Yeah. You were not the only star in a dress made of silver that week. And I know both media and the fans compared you and Ukrainian girl Annie Lorak. Was this something that bothered you and did the two of you speak about it? No, we never speak about it, but uh, I quite early understand what was going to happen because we had a Swedish guy uh, dancing behind Anilorak and uh, he has been in the Swedish competition while I won with my silver dress. Yeah. I understand quite early that they have been talking about me and they've been talking about my performance and my look. And uh, because uh, a lot of my friends knew him very well, and I knew him, of course, as well. And uh, so we realized that they will uh, do something uh, in the same style. But the thing is that they went to a big designer, Jean-Paul Gaultier, who did this dress even much better than my was, because he was doing a fantastic uh, thing about the dress you know he so I think she was gorgeous and and it was uh, wonderful in every way and that was also <laughs> felt because she doesn't look like that at all when she was competing in her uh, national uh, show in her country but when we realized that oh my god she has all, almost copying she's copying me and she will look the same way that I do yeah but better. <laughs> so what will I do? Uh, and we were already there in Belgrade and we were all with, already there with my dress. And we were talking about should we just 
put me on a plane to somewhere, I don't know, London, Paris, and just buy a new dress, you know, a couple of days before the competition. But I didn't want to. They all said that it's okay, it's, we, we take it, you just do it, buy whatever you want. But I didn't want because I felt that this was a decision from the beginning and we have been figuring this out for so long time. I don't want to change a couple of days before the finale just because someone else are trying to copy me. I, I, that felt so weird. So yeah. I just took the decision that, okay, I know she have done it really good and she might uh, turn up better than me. But still, I can't change a couple of days before. It feels just uh, like I were going to act in panic and I didn't want to do that. Please, Charlotte, can you tell us now how much did that dress cost? Oh, it doesn't cost that much at all because we were we had an, uh, a girl from Gothenburg who, who helped us sew it. And uh, I have no clue. I don't even remember. But I mean... What can it cost? Uh, I mean, it's not like uh, when you buy a Balmain dress for 100, 200 Swedish uh, thousand crowns. N- not like that at all. 20,000 maybe, something like that. I don't think it was more expensive. I mean, y- you can think that it's much money, but for a dress on stage in Eurovision, it's not a big amount to put in. So in this uh, world, it was a very cheap dress. Yeah. You came in 18th place with only 47 points, where 12 of them were from Malta. Were you disappointed or just surprised or both as I was? Uh, Oh, it's really hard to say because I felt, as I said before, I felt that the wind were not blowing the the same way as they did when I was in uh, Jerusalem because then I felt that, okay, uh, we have a chance to win. But still, it was in the beginning when we came to Belgrade, as I said, you know, BBC went out and thought that we were supposed to win and blah, blah, blah. So it was hard because it was ups and downs. Some people really believed in me and the song. And and I also felt that maybe not. It was like, maybe it will go very well or maybe we will just be in the in the end or something like that. And um uh, we we realized it as further the the competition were going that this will be very very tough for us. So I, I, I disappointed of course because you always you always want to do something good and you want people to think that you're doing something good because you want also people in Sweden to be proud of you because they send you and they believe in you. Uh, and that's a tough time to to just realize that no one else thought it was uh, that good in other countries that actually Sweden thought. It's it's a hard question. It's hard to answer because it was so many. There is so many answers, and uh, and there is also so many feelings in the result. But uh, I was also quite tired at this time. I have been touring for six weeks uh, before the competition starts. I've been in the whole Europe around and doing everything I I could, actually. And um, on the personal plane, I had it quite tough and I really wanted to go home and take care of my children and um, to just sort things up, you know, with my my life. And uh, I actually did. I mean, you always want to have a good result, but I felt 100% 
that I didn't understand how I should manage to carry if I win. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to just uh, stand up because it was personally so tough time. So I was happy that I could go home and that actually people didn't care about me so much. I, of course, the papers did because they want always do, you know, they lift you and then they uh, write about uh, the bad times. But still, I was, uh, I was happy just uh, to have the chance to go home and not needed to work that much that I had to do if I had uh, if I had won yeah I understand four years later you took part in Melodifestivalen again and this time also with a song made by Fredrik Kjempe and now I'm talking about the song The Girl yeah I wonder, were you back for revenge? Uh, no, I don't think so, actually, because in Sweden I had won two times. So I didn't felt that this is revenge. I think that this was such a good song. And sometimes I actually think that the song is even better than Hero. It's so good. It's uh, And uh, it's just that it wasn't the right time. It, the timing wasn't perfect in Sweden. I think that if I had compared with the girl 2008, I think that I have won in Sweden. Timing to 2008 was perfect. The song was good, Hero. Had I been uh, competing with The Girl, that is also a fantastic song, 2008, I think I have won. I don't know how it had, how the result has been in, in Belgrade, it's hard to say, but, but the timing in Sweden, 2012, was definitely wrong. There were so many other good songs and, and uh, yeah. The last time we saw you participate in the Swedish pre-selection for Eurovision was with the song Mitt Liv that you wrote by yourself. And mm. as I understand it, this time the goal of the participation wasn't to win at all. No. For mitt liv mitt Och ingen annans Leva starkt Tar nya tag No, it wasn't. And, and that's really hard for people to understand because people are like, no, it's impossible. You always go into the competition with the mind of winning. But I knew that this is a ballad. I don't show the world that I'm a master in singing. <laughs> I <laughs> show them, you know, the high tones. I don't, you know, high notes. I don't, I don't show actually nothing. The only thing that I wanted to show is something totally new. A vulnerable face that actually wanted to do something without a mask, you know. Yeah. And, uh, 
uh, I think that also is so important to, because if you are an artist, you can't go up in the ring and do the same thing all the time because then I think you are quite uninteresting artist. Yeah. That's what I wanted to show was that I'm, I have become a couple of years older. I have done things in my life. I want to show you other things of me. I, because I know 100% for sure that if I've been in the competition with, for example, the girl or hero, no one would have voted for that. I'm pretty sure about that. Because then people will say, oh my God, so boring. She came again with this new song that look, that sounds exactly like the other one. So I don't think that would be have a good idea either. So this was a chance to show something else. And the thing is, for me, it was perfect. Even though it's always fun if you uh, win or if you got a lot of points and, and come on a good place. I mean, still, uh, I showed uh, the audience uh, and my fans that this is how my album will sound. I have written new songs. It's about me. It's about my life. And I don't ever think that so many people have mailed me, called me, um, written to me. Uh, about the lyrics in a lot of the songs and uh, felt that they actually been touched about it. And that was so important to me and, and feel, felt so, so good. And uh, so for me, I, I was pretty happy, even though it was boring that, uh, of course, it would have been fun if a lot of more people have liked it, but the, the album sold gold and... Um, uh, I had a chance to to do a lot of new kind of things that I didn't done before. So I was satisfied with the result anyways, even though it's hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> but wonderful to hear. Yeah. Last year in the final of the Swedish pre-selection, you performed a song with the great diva herself, Dana yep. International. Yes. Had you met her since the composer of your winning song fell over her and poured wine over her dress on stage in Jerusalem? Uh, uh, I met her. Yeah, I met her a lot of times during the years, uh, especially out in Europe. But I, I actually think that I met her when we were talking about it. And I I know that we have been talking and been laughing about it, that Jett Lengstrand uh, step on her. <laughs> <laughs> And she fall. It, it was nice that she wanted to come to Sweden. And now I actually went to Tel Aviv uh, last year uh, again for being commentator for Sweden during the Eurovision. So I met her again. Yeah. And uh, she is very nice. She's she's a very funny person. Love, love me like you do. Love like I love you. We're all LGBT. You just the way you fabric was the dress made of i don't remember it right now i i i think i will lie if i i just pick a number i i, I don't remember but are we talking <laughs> about hundreds of meters probably <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm sorry i don't remember <laughs> but it was a lot and it was very heavy we were three or four persons when we carried it in and uh, they were 
two or, or three person behind me uh, carried the dress with me when I was going out on stage. It was so heavy. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to do something else. And it was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I know many fans outside Sweden want to know, what are you doing today, Charlotte? Uh, today I'm almost in quarantine like everyone else. Um, uh, I'm playing paddle every day. <laughs> 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 Trying to uh, just keep up, you know, brain and, and body and everything. Uh, that's quite fun. That's a new thing for me. I haven't done it before. Uh, I, I'm sitting at my sitting home, uh, playing piano, singing a lot right now. I am not recording anything right now. I will do a new TV thing, uh, record it uh, in summer. And uh, that's not official what I will do, so I can talk about it more. But um, that's what I do right now. I My whole summer is actually canceled, like for everyone else right now. And I were supposed to tour even in Norway and um, some other country, but everything is canceled. So now it's, it's not that much actually that we can do. We're sitting in the boat and in the same boat actually, and just uh, hold our head high and try to hold on. And uh, we, we hope that we come out stronger when this is over. Yeah. Can we expect to see more of you in Melody Festival and in the future? Oh, I don't know. I, right now, I don't feel like that's a good idea. But uh, I've said that many times before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shouldn't trust me on that one. But... Uh, I need something spectacular. I, I mean, something really new, something that really below my mind and everyone else maybe as well. I, I don't know what it should be that actually make me fall for uh, the thought to go in the competition again. It, it's always fun when you take the decision, but there is also so many things that I almost hate with the competition. I'm not the that fond of the circus that uh, you need to go into and to be judging. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, uh, it's so tough because even though I can manage to not win, I can manage to... Uh, all of those kind of things. It's also, you know, media could be so boring to handle and uh, you really need to feel for taking that fight if you should go into the competition because otherwise it's uh, impossible. Yeah. I have a good life <laughs> and um, I'm very happy today and I don't know why I should go in there and just become angry because people who judge me and then it's often the papers and journalists and things like that you know people that think they know best people that want to be funny and want to write things that they um, think is uh, very cool and I don't know if I want to be a part of that and and to give them that actually a long answer, but that's just because I'm not uh, clear about what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of me and my listeners, thank you so much, Charlotte, for your time. Oh, that was nothing. That was a pleasure. It was fun to talk with you. Do you have anything you would like to say to your fans listening out in the world? I hope that the quarantine is over very soon. And I, I really would love to see a, a lot of the 
fans outside, I mean, Sweden, because the Swedish fans I see a lot, but it's not that often that I have the chance to come to all of the countries that I would love to. And I got a lot of mails from uh, people following me and wanted me to come to other countries in Europe. And, and I would love to, but um, there will come a time for that as well. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Puss och kram! Puss och kram! Bye-bye! I don't lie like a star, like a hero!